Welcome to ESL Teacher Pop. I'm Russell. And I'm Milena. And what is ESL Teacher Pop? Well, this is a podcast where two ESL teachers talk to each other. <laughs> okay, good? Yes. So, what we will talk about remains to be seen, but probably we will discuss... Um, some experiences we've had, what works for us, what doesn't work, and in general, just have a conversation based around ESL. This is not a podcast for students learning English, and it is not really a podcast for teacher tips. Yeah, like we're, our aim isn't telling you what you should do. It's more about what we've done, what works, and generally what it is like to teach English. If you're planning to do it in the future, or maybe you're just starting, or you're just passionate about your job, and you want to hear other people who are also passionate about teaching, like this is the place. Uh, teaching languages is something that you enjoy. Maybe you'll enjoy listening to this also. Yeah, so this is our first ever episode. Uh, so, dear listener, uh, this is why it's a little bit awkward for us. We're just, yes, we're an awkward <laughs> baby Wah. with diapers filled, yes. filled with awkward silences and so us cool. laughing. Mm-hmm. So, on with the show. Okay. And so, what will we do today? As our first topic, we've we've decided... To just talk about uh, mainly you, Russell. <laughs> yeah, I'm really not looking forward to this. So we, I will interview Russell and ask him about uh, what got him into teaching, his expectations, and so far, his experiences. So Russell, what is your current situation? What's your background? What do you do? Okay, it's a big question. Uh, currently, I am teaching English as a second language in Poland. Uh, I came here for you, of course. Uh, you, my girlfriend, you live here in Poland. That is true. Mm-hmm. And now I live here in Poland as well. So you can do the math. Um, teaching is something that I have done a bit in my life. Um, I taught middle school for a year. I've done some art-related teaching, um, workshops and things, but this is my first time teaching English as a second language. Yeah, he never really thought that this could become your job. Is that true? Yeah, you know, this is probably something that is common to think about in Europe, this idea of taking English lessons. but. In America, the the thought that you can just have a job of teaching people to speak the language that you speak, it's not something we really have any idea about. Um, I think that in college, one person may have mentioned this to me as like a wild rumor, this idea that uh, English speakers can go to other places in the world and just teach there, but it always seemed like this thing that other people do, you know. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, for you native speakers, it's so easy to just go and have a big adventure. Uh, interestingly, for me, like you mentioned here, the idea of learning English is quite common because in Europe, all the nations speak different languages. So we need this one international language. Uh, but I always thought that I would never ever be a teacher. I don't like people, I don't really like social interactions that much. So for me it was also a bit of a surprise whenever I started, started doing that and it turned out that I actually enjoy it. Okay, so what were your expectations before you started teaching? You came here for me but let's say uh, a few days before you started your first lesson, what did you expect? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that the main expectation is that it will be relatively simple, you know. One thing that I thought, I think, is that I know everything about English, so mm -hmm. I can simply tell them what I know, you know. Mm -hmm. but. Being here, you know, you realize how little you need to know about a language whenever it is your native language. Many grammar constructions or um, things that we say in certain situations you just never realized before, you know. So this was a... Um, maybe it's still an ongoing adjustment for me, just this idea of learning how to talk about things in your own language. And I think um, another thing that you have to get used to is this idea that whenever you speak to people, they will not understand everything you say. I mean, it's, it's quite obvious, of course, if you're teaching someone a language that they do not know, that they will not understand you. But I think it's human nature to feel like um, they are understanding you. Like you, you have this assumption that whenever you say something, you are being heard and, and understood. You know, mm -hmm. I think this is this is what is behind this situation that people always have, where someone tries to speak to them very slowly and loudly uh, mm -hmm. in English or, yeah. or in some other language. But still using words that they don't know. So however slowly and however loudly you're speaking, people just don't know the words. Okay, so could you tell me about your first lesson? What was your first lesson, your first ever experience of teaching English to people who don't speak English? Yeah, it was a bit of an unusual situation. Um, it was sort of this corporate event, and for them it was kind of a uh, fun weekend, you know. So I was enlisted to teach uh, some English languages almost for the purposes of entertainment. Um, so, so the idea was we had this kind of scenario where they would be uh, negotiating a uh, weapons deal, like they were trading drugs for weapons, I think, you know, in, in this imaginary scenario. Mm. And so... Being hungover. Later on, I learned that there were copious amounts of alcohol involved in the evenings. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big partier, so I was not there for the partying so much, but, uh, yeah, the next day people would be in class having 
only had two hours of sleep or, or something. So before the class, I think I read like three textbooks about um, business language. And then whenever I was there, of course, I quickly realized that simply, you know, talking to them, it, none of it really was uh, had any effect, you know, because mm -hmm. anything I said is not understandable or, or at least most of it, you know, and this is in many ways, this is the most interesting thing about um, ESL teaching is finding strategies for trying to communicate with people the instructions for things you know mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean this is um, the most interesting part because it it there's some kind of uh, magic to it whenever you know that pe these people uh, do not understand what you're saying to them or maybe 10 20 percent and yet somehow through some mixture of uh, de demonstrations yeah, the context true, yeah. um, the sort of way the uh, activity is structured feedback you know they try to do something and either they can see that they did the right thing or the wrong thing you know it's possible to do quite a lot with people and this is very fascinating i think a big part of our job like what it looks like is that we both work for a private language school so this is uh, a place where people come after work after school so we have to manage both entertainment part and uh, education part. It, we're not teaching them to take tests, well not always, of course it happens, some sort of uh, certification things, but it's not that we're uh, preparing people to take like final exams after school. So uh, we can have a bigger array of things that we're doing with them. We can have, like, like you mentioned, this weird weekend trip, uh, or we can uh, involve them in, in projects, we can take time to uh, negotiate like, the, the instructions and things like that. We're not pressed for time. It's very interesting because in, in this situation, our classes are probably a small part of uh, what it really takes to learn a language, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like these people, they have students, they often have a very large kind of mosaic of learning experiences. You know, they've uh, probably taken previous classes. They are exposed to English in various ways uh, through music, through uh, movies, and so on. Um, they probably do some reading on their own. So it's very different from a class in, say, a university or a high school where you are trying to give them for the first time all the rules, all mm. the uh, vocabulary they need for something. Of course, this is important, but what I think that we're doing in many cases is maybe just providing the best possible opportunity we can for, um, like, for them to get to use the language in some way mm. that's fun, memorable, yeah. uh, that kind of maybe increases their understanding or their comfort with the language or, or something like that. Yeah, like you have never taught absolute beginners. Uh, whenever I teach lower levels, I always switch to Polish whenever I'm explaining grammar or some even vocabulary sometimes. 
when uh, in it takes uh, equally difficult words to explain uh, the word that they have in a book or somewhere. What's your experience so far? What levels and what ages do you prefer to teach? Well, my experience, as, as you said, um, I have not had the opportunity to teach any absolute beginners yet. Mm -hmm. um, I am... But native speakers do teach uh, absolute mm -hmm. beginners in our school as well. Yeah, and, you know, I think it would be a very interesting situation, mm -hmm. you know. I, I would like to do it at, at some time. But you're a guest. You came to one of my classes as a guest, and they were really excited to ask you how you are or how old you are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I am at, when I imagine um, myself in their role, like uh, as a Polish learner, what would I like to experience? I think I would enjoy this experience of being in a full immersion class like that. Mm. But of course, I'm not completely a beginner. Now, yeah. in my experience, I've taught from elementary level to, uh, let's say, advanced level. Mm -hmm. and I've taught uh, some teenagers and some adults in individual groups and uh, classes and groups. And my preference, I think, is some lower level. I feel that... With advanced students, uh, you're less useful. Your class is not so useful to them. You just don't really have much to tell them that they couldn't figure out on their own. But probably this is partially my inexperience as well. You know, I think that as a more experienced teacher, you have a better understanding of the nuances and the complexities of the language, you know. With higher levels, very often uh, you have to teach them conversation. Because if people have been learning a language for a long, long time, they have read, they have listened, they've done many, many uh, grammar exercises, but still having conversations is difficult. I remember myself after university, I had my master's degree, I had all my teaching qualifications, but after uh, talking to someone, in English for five minutes, I was exhausted because it, it's a totally different thing just uh, talking about something and answering questions, like here, being interviewed. And it's a totally different situation whenever you're talking to somebody or having a conversation. You, you have to react instantaneously to what someone has said. You have to understand everything. I feel this is uh, what I do with my students, with my higher level students. Because there's always uh, some grammatical issues to be worked on. But I feel developing their fluency is my goal usually. Because that's what you can do with them. Having debates, making them role play different situations. One thing I'd like also with let's say upper intermediate level, is whenever you can um, find a variety of phrases for, for a situation and get them to use these phrases. Because I think they have a very large uh, vocabulary and capability to speak about different things, but oftentimes in not quite the right way, you know, not, not quite the right words. 
Okay, another thing with higher levels is that they have the vocabulary to go around certain words. They don't have to learn new words and new phrases because mm -hmm. they're perfectly capable of communicating with what they have. Yeah, exactly. What would you say? I guess this question will be most of interest to people who are planning to go to a foreign country. Uh, is it essential to speak the language of the country where you're teaching English? I think that the theory is no, it's not. You know, I think that the whole point of um, having a native speaker teach someone else is to take advantage of this way that the brain can um, kind of switch to the new sort of language or it's kind of a way as a kind of challenge, you know, to um, try to speak only in that language, you know. Whenever you have a teacher who does know your language, it's it's more possible to ask them a question in the language that you both speak or to make yourself understood without having to use this uh, target language that you're learning. What I feel helps me, uh, apart from the fact that whenever a really big misunderstanding occurs, I can switch to Polish for a brief amount of time. But I can anticipate what kind of mistakes might occur. Or uh, when it comes to pronunciation, I can say that, okay, this sound doesn't exist in, in the Polish language, so do not substitute it for this or that, because it's wrong. Like, for example, Polish people uh, don't say the, they always say the, mm -hmm. the door. Yeah, this is true. Uh, I, I have found this situation where a student will try to say something in English in a very strange way that to another Polish teacher it would be obvious what they were trying to say. Mm -hmm. Like I, I uh, The one I'm thinking of now, it was something like they were trying to say, did you bring your camera with you? Of course, Polish, there's some sort of reflexive or recursive pronoun or, or something. This mm -hmm. uh, maybe something like "swoy" or "shall" or "siao" or, or something. And they were they said something like, "Do you take your camera yourself?" or or something. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what. Or do exactly. you have a servant who does it for you? Uh, maybe, <laughs> but but you know, I did not realize what it, I could not figure out what they were intending to say. Uh -huh. You know, and sometimes. Also, I think that being able to just tell them what word they need in their own language, mm -hmm. it just saves time, you know? It's, yeah. there, there's a point to where it's not useful to completely withhold the information from them. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is important to um, learn their language or to be trying to learn it, you know, because as, you, as we just said, it's useful to be able to predict what uh, mm. misunderstandings there will be, what words will be obvious to them. Like, of course, whenever you're teaching someone a different language, you don't know what words will be almost identical to mm -hmm. words in their language and what words will be completely unfamiliar to them. And probably they just appreciate it. It creates a sense of solidarity that they are... Uh, saying stupid things, they are making idiots of themselves in front of you, but also you say incorrect things in their own language. Yeah, this is the most useful part of it. You know, it um, makes them feel 
like you you care about their culture i guess and probably uh and also it lets you uh be able to show them that you are also doing a very bad job of learning a language probably worse than them you know um Oh, thank you. Uh, One of the kind of introduction activities that I like to do is um, I will come up with a word that is basically fits the theme of the lesson or something like like work or or, um, vacation or, or something, you know. And so I will give them the word in English and I will give myself the word in Polish and then it will be a kind of competition of which one of us can think of more related words, you know. And it's useful in, in many ways. One is it makes a competition so they mm-hmm. can, um, they have a reason to be doing it. You know, there's some motivation for doing it. Yeah. Um, they can almost always beat me, yeah. you know, so yeah. so this is good. Yeah, so it's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. That's great. And of course, it's a built-in uh, modeling of, what what they're supposed to be doing because uh-huh. I can just show them you know I'm trying to get you to make up associated words now I can show them in their own language so uh-huh. it's very clear what they're supposed to be doing and uh, it's useful because a lot of times whenever someone is in a language course um, they really want to be correct so yeah. if you tell them something like do you know any words that are similar to this word they will try to think of only the perfect synonyms, you know? But me, whenever I'm doing it, like I was trying to do it with uh, disaster, and I thought of like uh, uvaga, which I, I know only means like um, pay attention, like mm-hmm. look at this, you know? Um, I thought warning. of like... As a warning, too. I thought of like zle, which just means bad, you mm-hmm. know? Podoga, because sometimes there are disasters with the, with the weather. Pogoda, podoga, pogoda. Oh, okay. And of course, also I misspell many words. I say I write only the a part of a word because I only know a part of it. So this is useful. I think I, I think that the most useful for learning a language that speaks is, is this kind of thing. You know, being able to use it to increase your rapport with them. You know. Yeah, and it's nice that you're showing them that you are having fun with learning Polish because I feel that. Um, Many Slavic nations, I don't know about uh, other nations, but our problem in the educational system is that you in America are more of problem solvers. That you have some information, then you have a problem, a text, and you have to use information to, to write a project and do that kind of thing. Like creative, imaginative. Our education system is based on correctness, like this is right, this is wrong. We have to memorize a lot of things. This also shows in language learning that people very often won't start speaking until they know like all grammar, all the grammar. Only then they will start speaking because they're afraid they will make a mistake, they will make a, f- they, they will make a fool of themselves. Do you have any advice to new teachers? I think the best advice be to really find the best possible resources. I mean, you know, I think that mm-hmm. I can remember before I did any teaching, I imagined it as this thing where you are creating a learning experience for other people. You know, you're that you have to be very creative, <laughs> you know. But yeah. in fact, teaching, especially for new teachers, it's all about finding the best, 
materials、mm-hmm. and also the best、uh, people, like such as、um, other teachers, to ask advice, to ask them what they've been doing. You know, to usually it's all it's always very funny because I think that a lot of times teachers do not want to talk shop. Too much because、mm-hmm. I don't I I know personally like、um, the idea of sharing sounds good as as a, in theory but in actuality if someone asks me oh what are you doing with this class today probably I'm doing very little that's impressive or cool you know probably I'm doing ninety percent of what the、uh, teacher's book has suggested that I do. And I may have an activity that I'm not really sure that'll work. It probably won't, and nothing really to make myself look good to the other teacher. And I think there's there's a lot of that where teachers are are a little uncomfortable sharing completely what they're doing. But you know, it's still it's very useful to、uh, kind of get some ideas from other teachers about what they what they did, what they used. You know, it's it's very easy to. Uh, ask them what books did they use that they liked, what websites have they found、uh, resources on, and so on.、Mm. And I think this is this is very important to find very good resources. Anything that will、um, cut down your stress and your and your time that you spend planning.、Um, it's all about kind of putting together materials in in a very effective way. I think and and adding some things of your own and. The other thing I would say is to to plan simple things as much as possible.、Um, as for for language teaching especially, like、uh, you will not be able to give them complicated instructions. You will not be able to、um, put them into a really crazy scenario. Like、uh, this is a mistake I made a few times starting. I would try to think of something that will be fun. For them to base a conversation around because it will be、uh, kind of interesting or compelling, but you have to think、uh, you have to be very careful with this because、uh, they you just may not be able to communicate to them what it、yeah. is that you want them to do. Like I, I was trying to tell some、uh, very low level students that they needed to think of where they would like to go in a time machine. <laughs> And it was impossible、oh. to get them to understand what I was asking them about,、adults? you know. Adults or teenagers? Adults, adults. Yeah. Yeah,、uh, adults may not always be very imaginative. Yeah. They can be tired. You know, they just can't come back from work. They may be tired. They're thinking that、uh, afterward they will have, I don't know, children to feed, a house to clean. So they just may not feel like traveling in a time machine, and we have to just know our group. Yeah, the group is different. And this is the thing as well as you know, you want to give them、um, conversational activities that do not require them to embarrass themselves or or put themselves out there、mm-hmm. too much. You、yeah. you know the the best things are actually quite impersonal things. You know、mm-hmm. where. It's sort of a contrived situation. Maybe they're playing some kind of characters, and you want to. The, it's a very tricky thing, but what you're actually trying to do is give them opportunities to be witty. You know, because this is, I think, for me, this is the best case scenario where, whenever they're having these conversation、um, practices, someone can say.、Uh, 
something in the conversation that gets other people laughing. And usually mm-hmm. it's very simple because this is the nice thing about a language course is the bar is very low for, for what's hilarious because it's yeah. impressive that you've just made a joke in a language that you don't even speak, you know. But But the other advice I would say is, again, coming back to this, you should be learning a language yourself. You know, obviously the practical... Uh, one to do is the language that these people speak, but um, it is very useful because then you can just think about what works for you, what did you enjoy, and I think that for me this has been very helpful for um, actually understanding a little bit what's going on in their mind whenever I'm trying to teach them because it's actually quite hard to tell what they are understanding if they are hesitating because they don't remember or if they are if their brain is still working if they're trying mm-hmm. to remember like whenever i am trying to speak in polish to people i actually need quite a long time to think of words that i know you know mm-hmm. if someone gives me the word too soon it's very frustrating because maybe i was about to say it you know Yeah, you're talking about our lesson. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you. And probably uh, we will come back. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see how we feel. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye.